Thanks for joining us. This is now episode three of Let's Read Out. This will be a two-part episode, episode three and four, on the subject of fetal imaging. Before I dive in, I just want to say again, I am sincerely grateful for all my listeners, and we are excited to announce that we are on Apple Podcasts, so check us out there. And again, if you have any feedback, check us out on Twitter, Instagram, or send us an email at letsreadout at gmail.com, L-E-T-S. My guest for these next two episodes really needs no introduction. It is an honor and a privilege to record with her. Uh, She has been a, a legend in the field of obstetrical ultrasound for over 35 years, and her research has helped to develop the field of 3D imaging, ultrasound imaging, uh, beginning back in 1998. Uh, She is widely published. Uh, She has co-authored books, chapters, abstracts of over 240 articles and 40 book chapters. It is, again, an honor to introduce Dr. Dolores Pretorius. Hi, I'm Dr. Dolores Pretorius. I'm a professor of radiology at the University of California, San Diego, and I specialize in fetal ultrasound. I love it, and I'm looking forward to doing this podcast and seeing how it all works. Welcome, Dr. Pretorius, or DP, as everyone knows her at UCSD. This show is really dedicated to my Canadian brothers or my Canadian co-fellows here at Stanford who do quite a bit of uh, uh, fetal imaging back in Canada. Dr. Pretorius, what's on the schedule for today? I'm going to talk about the patient that comes in with elevated maternal serum alpha fetoprotein. And DP, for those who haven't had OBGYN rotation for a while, what is AFP? It's a blood test that, that they just get drawn as a screening test. And at what gestational age is the screening test performed? They do the test between 15 and 20 weeks gestational age. And can you give us a little bit of background? When would this type of ultrasound imaging come across our work list? Well, first off, usually a sonographer walks in and presents you the case because this is an abnormal um, test. And the patient's very worried um, when she walks in. So they're incredibly anxious. And so our job is to look for all the possibilities for high AFP and then um, to be able to talk to her about it and help her decide what's next. And what should be going through the radiologist's mind uh, as the sonographer is presenting the case? So what I think about first is neural tube defects, because that's what she has been up all night worrying about, whether she has a baby with a neural tube defect. Um, because high AFP is also ca- called a positive neural tube defect screen. So she's usually worried about that. Um, then I think about abdominal wall defects like omphalocele and gastroschisis. Um, yeah, there are some other abdominal wall defects that are much bigger, like limb body wall and amniotic band syndrome and Beckwith-Wiedemann, but those are uncommon. Gastroschisis and omphalocele are really common, and gastroschisis has really high AFP, like 10 multiples of the median, whereas most of the other things are going to be, you know, like two and a half, two, three, four, maybe five multiples of the median above the norm. Um, so that's what I'm thinking. 
why such the difference between uh, gastroschisis and emphalocele AFP? Yeah, the gastroschisis is much higher. It's like multiples, 10 multiples, whereas omphalocils will be much lower. And that's because they have a covering membrane and not as much protein leaks across the surface of the fetus. Whereas that bowel is out there hanging all over and it kind of has all these finger-like projections and there's of the bowel and there's no covering membrane so more protein goes across so logically you can think about it logically you don't have to just memorize it i love things that can be logical i entirely agree and your stories help solidify it even more and so after the abdominal wall defects where do we go from there so anyway those are the abdominal wall defects then i go to the um uh, more common things like um, off dates, 25% are going to be off dates. And the AFP measurement is based on their gestational age. So that if they're off weeks, um, the off dates, then we need to recalculate their AFP and see if it's really normal. Um, multiple gestations. Of course, if there's two twins in there or triplets, they're going to make more AFP and so it's going to be elevated. So we use 2.5 multiples of the median as our cutoff in um, California, but some places on the East Coast use 2.0 multiples of the median. So it's just a gradual change and it's where you decide to set your limits. Um, twins are going to be 4.5 multiples of the median, okay? Um, and twins account for about 5 to 10 percent of elevated AFP. So it is kind of ex exciting, though, when you get to tell a family she has twins and she didn't know she had twins. So then they're all excited and happy and there's no more worrying about a neural tube defect, right? That certainly sounds exciting and a happy and enjoyable moment. I know we could talk forever about twins, but I remember a pearl that you taught me about chorionicity. And can you please share that with the with our audience? As a radiologist, if you see anyone in the ER, even at six, seven, eight weeks, you should be able to try to figure out whether they're di-di or di-mo, and that's for diamnionic, monochorionic, and um, uh, and monomonos. We should be able to figure that out at the very beginning, and it's much easier at the beginning than it is later at 18 to 20 weeks because you can make mistakes. So as a radiologist, you've got to be able to do this early. You, um, and figure it out. But if they didn't know they had twins at your AFP, high AFP study, then you're going to have to try to figure it out. And um, by looking at the membrane, looking at the placenta, and looking at the sex, because, uh, you know, if one's a girl and one's a boy, you know they came from die-die. Thank you so much, Dr. Pretorius. I'll let you get back to your main list now. Because I want you to know the top six things that you have to do. So we did neural tubes, we did wall, we did off dates and twins. The most common cause for high AFP is fetal maternal hemorrhage. What exactly does that mean? Okay, that's just a global trash basket term that means there's some mixing of blood between mom and baby. Often it's in the placenta. You know, there's a little bit of mixing of blood in the placenta. It makes sense, right? That's where all the blood transfers over. Okay, so what do you look for? You go look for placental lucencies in the placenta. Little holes. Now, most of those lucencies are maternal lakes. 
but they can be other things. They can be blood, they can be hemorrhages, they can be chorioangiomas of the placenta if they're round and mass-like and they actually have blood flow in them. And chorioangioma is a unusual cause of high AFP. Um, you can have infarcts in the placenta too that account for those lucencies. But number one, you need to ask the patient, have you had any bleeding? If she's had bleeding at all at any time in her pregnancy from six weeks on, you know what I mean? That's probably her cause for high AFP if you didn't find anything else. You know, if you've already ruled out your neural tubes and your abdominal walls and you didn't find your anatomy scans normal. So if that's point number five, what's point number six then? I always say to the sonographer or the resident, when I'm reading out a high AFP, I say, what's the one thing that's going to lead to maternal death if you don't identify it? I instinctively want to say abruption. Nope. It's not abruption. Abruptions tend to occur in the third trimester. It's accreta. Okay, so you must, must, must look for accreta. You must make sure that you find out if she's had a C-section. And when you look for accreta, You've got to make sure that you look, I go in the room and look myself. I want to see the entire surface of the placenta with grayscale and color. And I want to see the myometrial interface um, and make sure. Because, of course, most cases of accreta have a prior history of C-section. And we have so many C-sections now today, 37% on average, that it's really common to have a previous C-section. And if you've had two C-sections or three C-sections or heaven forbid, four or more, then you have an even higher incidence. And what if she has no history of C-section? Well, then you need to make sure she hasn't had any surgery. And the way I love to ask that question is, um, dear, has any doctor ever been inside your uterus with any instrument? You know, I mean, you know, like a DNC, anything. Have you had fibroids? Have you had any surgery on your uterus where you have any scar? And if they do, you need to know where it was. And if you don't, you just have to be meticulous looking at the entire interface of the myometrium and the placenta because that's where it invades and, you know, pushes through. And that's when we get accreta, increta, percreta the spectrum of placenta accreta spectrum. So, um, and you want to make that diagnosis as early as you can, even in the first trimester. Now, high FP, you're not going to find in the first trimester. But if you're doing a first trimester scan for some reason, then you we want to look for placenta accreta um, just to make, if we see any of these lucencies, if we have a prior C-section. Well, thank you for that great top six list, Dr. Pretorius, are there any other things, any other causes uh, besides those top six that we should be thinking of? So those are the top six most important causes of high AFP. There are unusual, other unusual ones that are much less common, you know, like skin lesions on the fetus. We're not going to see those. It's going to be a family history. Um, cystic adenomatoid malformation, now called CPAM 
cystic pulmonary airway malformation. Um, teratomas, sacral coccygeal teratoma has a high AFP. So there's a bunch of other rare ones. I don't really expect you and most people don't expect you to know the rare ones. So I try to just throw a couple in so you realize there are a lot more, but we, we got to know those top six. And DP, for these cases of maternal fetal hemorrhage or twins, are there any other tests or, or follow-up ultrasounds uh, that, that need to be recommended? We do follow up patients with high AFP for growth because they do have still a, an increased incidence of poor outcome, even if you don't find anything. So they still remain high risk, but um, so we bring them all back, usually someplace around 28 to 30 weeks to see the growth pattern and make sure that there, there's nothing else that comes up. And the other thing is once in a while, you know, you miss something on your first study and you might find it later. Thank you so much, Dr. Pretorius. I'd like to wrap up for today. Can you tell us uh, what our take home messages are? Okay, so I want to recap. I want you to remember, anyone comes in with high AFP, you need to ask your sonographer and yourself, what are you looking for? Number one, you're going to look for neural tube defects, because she's that's why she's there for the positive neural tube defect screen. Number two, you're going to look for abdominal wall defects, and it's going to be a gastroschisis if it's over 10 multiples of the median many times. Um, next, it's going to be off dates, 25%. Multiple gestations, 5 to 10%. Fetal maternal hemorrhage was the trash basket that it's going to be most, at least about 50% of the time. Um, and don't ever, ever forget placenta accreta because she can die if you don't pick up placenta accreta. Thank you so much, Dr. Pretorius. Um, I just want to give listeners a little heads up that episode four, our second part of fetal imaging, uh, will be about gastroschisis and lymphalocele. So come on back. As always, thank you for listening, and I hope you'll take some time outside the reading room and come back to Correlate Clinically with us.